0: Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary.
1: I'm just a little
2: songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody And I make the beat Don't know where it'll take me, take me Cause when I'm in the dark of night I sing my way back to the light Come along with me and your heart will see That a song changes everything Oh
1: Oh Is Arts I'm for the health of it. Every time I, I say that, I look down at the logo on our screen when we read this, <laughs> just in case I say it incorrectly. We've been doing this 20-some <laughs> episodes, and I'm still doing that. Uh, but I am your host, Richard Wilmore. And I'm your host,
0: Constanza Roeder. And I I think we, this is such a cool episode. Um, yeah. We got to talk to Dr. Hassan Teta, and he is a, a surgeon. But I feel like we've all had an experience with a doctor or a healthcare provider where we didn't really have a good experience where we felt like we really weren't listened to um or whatever fill in the blank it just wasn't a great experience um and i, I like i was telling richard after this i was like Oh, I want Doctor Tata to be my doctor. Like he—he he is committed to um, humanizing healthcare, and he talks about the importance of arts and humanities um, for uh, doctors that are studying medicine, people going into the healthcare field, uh, the role that it plays in in our health and well being. Um, and then, yeah, he wrote a book about
1: it. Multiple books. Multiple and- books. If you uh, listen to the end, you can find out how you can win a copy of one of those, which yes. is very exciting. Um, yeah, it's called the Art of Human Care. It's a whole series. He has a podcast about it. It's he's. I think we talk a lot about like if people only knew, if people in the hospital only knew, like, <laughs> and he's he's in it and he's doing it and he's been doing it since day one, hmm. which is really like. He was so ahead of the curve. I love talking to people like that who were just doing it way before it was cool, you know,
0: yeah, it just wasn't a natural extension of his of him his of him. yeah, he was an artist before well, we don't want to give away all the all the plot points, but <laughs> it's it's really fascinating his um his journey and how that how his human experience his personal human experience has informed um his care of other humans,
1: yeah. And like we said, yeah. he's, a, he's a heart and lung transplant surgeon. He's a U.S. Navy captain, an associate professor of surgery at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. I'm telling you, everyone loves long titles <laughs> in the medical field. And he's an adjunct faculty at Howard University College of Medicine and University of Maryland Medical Center. And he's the author of the Art of Human Care book series. And also he has a new podcast, uh, The Art of Human Care with, and then where he talks to kind of like we do. Uh, Which is really cool. I love that people are talking about it. That's the whole goal. So we're going to take a break because we, of course, forgot to do that. And then (laughs) we're going to come back after that. We'll be right back. Whether you consider yourself a musician
0: or not, music is all around us, and it affects our everyday lives, whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power
1: of music.
2: Make your day richer with The Richard Wilmore Show. Meet amazing musicians, talented actors, brilliant authors, hilarious comedians, and the most creative people in entertainment. Download the KP Media TV app to watch on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire.
1: You heard it here first.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I loved what you said right at the beginning kind of before we started recording, that any chance I can, I can get to talk about arts and healthcare, I'm going to take.
2: Yes, and more specifically, the healing power of yes. art. Yes. Mm. Yeah. absolutely.
1: Well, can we just
0: start there? Can you tell us a little bit about your background and well, yeah, how absolutely. you came to how art I came, and healing?
2: How to come to art and healing? So, as I as I mentioned, I shared with uh, you all that when I was uh, a, a young uh young uh, teenager growing up in New York City, I I was a graffiti artist. I have just really always loved art and. Uh, Graffiti art was sort of our means of expression back then, and uh, I wanted to go to art school. I actually worked really hard on this portfolio, and um, uh, you had to take a test at the time. It was art and design high school in New York City. still exists, and uh, you had to take pictures uh, with you and your portfolio, but you also had to draw uh, both a live and a still object. Uh, and I got accepted. and I was really excited. I wanted to go to art school, and uh, my dad was like, "Nope, you're not going to art school. <laughs> you're gonna go to science and engineering school okay. instead." So, uh, I, you know, I have this uh, inner artist in me that's always dying to get out. You know, so I did go to art, I did go to engineering school and science school, and uh, sort of majored in biochem because I had immigrant parents and immigrant parents want their children to become doctors. So I became a doctor.
0: <laughs> Congratulations.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, by the way, I became a doctor. But, um, you know, all throughout my career in medicine, uh, the arts have always played a, a great part in not only uh, personally enriching my life, but uh, I've seen it, the healing power of art uh, just transform patients, you know, whether uh, listening to music um, they have, uh, you know, art in the walls, everywhere you go in hospitals, you see sculptures in, you know, these hospitals. And, and, uh, if you think about, uh, you know, my background in the military in particular, I do know that there is a very powerful and very, uh, effective healing arts, uh, program that has been, uh, you know, something that has, uh, infused in the lives and, uh, and has been infused in the lives of a lot of veterans and, and has been a source of great, um, uh, empowerment and enrichment for them. So I, I saw that aspect of it. I, in fact, I submitted some of my art pieces uh, to several of those exhibits over the years. So
0: oh, that's awesome. That
2: really uh, powerful. Uh, and then most recently, I will tell you, um, I got a chance to, you know, sort of experience art uh, and its healing power, you know, firsthand just a couple of days ago uh, here in uh, Washington, D.C. on a National Mall, right on the sort of the shadow of the Washington Monument, there was a huge exhibit um, for uh, COVID-19 patients, all of the um, uh, folks that have uh, regrettably passed away. uh, Mm. And an artist had created a a sort of scene where there was a white flag representing each one of the souls lost over 700,000 flags Mm. right across the, the mall um, and configured in such a way that they, Uh, We're having each flag being dedicated to individuals and you could dedicate, you know, personal, uh, you know, notes and reflections. Uh, And you could see this sea of flags, but you also saw all of the people just stopping and reflecting. Uh, Maybe some that have lost family members, some that probably experienced COVID themselves. And probably some that had no connection, but were just standing there appreciating this visual display of this artistic expression that, you know, in and of itself had an impact on, you know, on uh, each individual that was sort of taking this in, just like I was. And um, it was a beautiful day on Sunday, the the weather was great, and it was the Mm. last day to exhibit, and and I was kind of just taking all of that in. And, um, you know, it was one, again, one demonstration of how powerful art is, and how uh, impactful art has always been, you know, to all of us, (laughs) whether Mm. we... Whether we're artists or think we're artists or not, you know, I think art at its very core uh, was and still is, you know, the um, foundational means of expression for human beings.
1: Mm. Amen. We believe that, too. (laughs) When did it go from, because
2: you you said you
1: were artistic at an earlier age, when did it go from just making art to making art for help?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, well, I think that uh, certainly has been um, probably an ever-present part of my existence. Uh, when I was an undergrad, uh, this is well before being a doctor, of course, I uh, I uh, unfortunately had a very significant illness. I had uh, bacterial meningitis, almost passed away from mm. that experience. And I remember through my rehab and, and sort of emerging from that, um, you know, pretty devastating ordeal, uh, one of the things that brought me great joy, still does, is, is listening to music, you know, and, and just uh, I remember how it made me feel inside to listen to my favorite songs and artists at the time. Um, mm. uh, and I, I read a lot of poetry that summer of recovery. I remember that as well. And that was a, a really key and instrumental part of, I think, my recovery so when you say when did it start i don't think it ever ended you know with the healing part of it it certainly became real for me uh as i you know sort of had this expression or this experience of being a, a patient myself and then had this way of um um you know being the beneficiary of this expression of art through music through poetry to kind of help me recover during that time um, and that engendered quite a bit of empathy for me, I think, as I kind of progressed and went through undergrad and then certainly med school and I became a doctor, because I still remember how I felt as a, you know, a patient. Uh, and and I also know how I felt as a patient that was uh, being uh, enriched by this art, you know, and music. So sometimes I ask my patients, I say, hey, what's your favorite music? What's your favorite song? Uh, do you like poetry? Do, you know, what's your, do you have, do you like art? uh and then you can see kind of the, your spirit kind of get lifted like yeah I do you know like oh well we should uh maybe we should have your family bring that in you know and then you know you can listen to some of that music and uh and so I think it I think again it goes back to this sort of core of uh you know I think what all of us as humans have experienced which is this expression of art as as one of our basic forms of communication and something that just uh, instinctually just touches us in some way you know shape or form
0: hmm. yeah. and you talk about how important, um, meaning is in like staying in touch with purpose. Um, and can you talk maybe a little bit about how that ties in with, with the arts?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I had the great fortune of working on a book series, uh, called the art of human care. <laughs> and, uh, in that book, I, um, I talk about these three principles, which I think are sort of foundational to the delivery and the, you know, administration of care to another human being. I talk about purpose and finding purpose. Um, And I think that's really important because I think all of us, when we lack a purpose or certainly when we feel we have a purpose, we are just so inspired, you know, to want to live and to want to live with passion. And I think that's really important. I talk about personalization because I know that in my practice is really important to personalize the care that I deliver to a patient to that specific individual. It's not like a cookie cutter approach to kind of delivering care. Everyone is going to be unique in their needs and their wants and their desires, and quite frankly, what's going to be best, uh, you know, to address their their um, their concerns and their their health issues. Um, and then finally, uh, the other one is partnership, and partnership is really important because. All of us as patients, I think, um, you know, we're seeking the healthcare profession as a way to sort of have a partner in this journey of getting better or feeling better or addressing or taking care of an illness or sickness that we have. Um, and in life, you know, nothing great is really achieved as an individual. You always almost need partners, you know, whether it's a band, if you're doing something uh, in terms of creating visual arts, uh, if you're teaching, of course, your, your partnership becomes your infrastructure of your school uh, and business. You need a team to really accomplish anything great. So I think this mm-hmm. partnership is really important. But coming back to your purpose, um, you know, and, and how that ties into art for me um, and health uh, sort of all together, there's a one of these very famous quotes that um, I often refer to, and it's uh, it was by uh, an individual uh, who uh, was physician to Alexander the Great, so it's a very old quote, hmm. <laughs> the like, of Chalcedon, and he said, when health is absent, I'll just you know kind of tell you the first sentence, when health is absent, wisdom cannot reveal itself, art cannot manifest. You think about just that, like art cannot manifest, and so when hmm. you're not healthy, you can't producer art um, and then at the same time you will have the opportunity as I'm sure you guys have to talk to an artist and you ask them where did they get their inspiration from where does their sort of muse come from and sometimes they'll tell you it came from pain it came from suffering it came from you know this place when I was in my life where I, I wasn't you know I wasn't feeling well and then uh, and other times you know you get a different expression of that art when They're like, I was just inspired. I felt great. I felt like this, you know, elation. So health and art, I think are inextricably connected in that Mm. depending on what your emotional state is and where you are sort of in your mind and your psyche and what's going on in your life and what those sort of environmental factors are, I think that impacts and influences the art that's ultimately produced. Uh, and I think every artist has their story. You know, a lot of it is coming from that pain and that place of suffering, but it's also coming sometimes from that place of joy and that place of elation and accomplishment and fulfillment and celebration. And uh, and and that's why we have art all over the place because every human being is going to go through all those emotions, mm. and just give it's us
1: unavoidable, right?
2: It's unavoidable. Correct. I think it's the human condition. Absolutely at play.
1: When you started working and practicing, were having the arts as part of your practice, was that always like, this is what I need to do? Like, was it just from day one, you were like, no, I'm going to integrate the arts into what I do. Or was that like, how did that come about?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think instinctually, it was right. Because even as I was studying, <laughs> like most people do, I would listen to music, I would listen to classical music. Sometimes if I wasn't depending on the mood i was in sometimes i'd listen to hip-hop or i'd listen to jazz or i'd listen to country music sometimes or sometimes i'd hear someone else listening to something that i had no idea in terms of what genre that was and i would ask them if i was in like hey what do you listen to that sounds interesting so that was always part of my just routine with just habitually studying and, and just kind of recognizing that music helped me to retain information better so that just became a natural thing um but to answer you know your question sort of as i matured and i went into surgery that's my my specialty is actually thoracic surgery, that specialty of, of, of um, you know, heart and lung surgery and everything within the chest. Um, it, it became very clear to me that surgeons and, and especially surgeons, I think, are practicing both an art and a science when they operate. You know, no two surgeons really do things exactly the same. We do things sort of the same, but not exactly the same. And it was that creative sort of um, latitude that really attracted me to surgery. When I saw surgeons operate, it was just the elegance of how they tied a knot, the how they cut skin, how they sutured, how they put things together, how they, you know, dissected that to me was just this attraction. It was like a magnet. It was like, wow, look at how they're infusing this, you know, very you know, incredible artistic expression in the in the actual conduct of surgery. Hmm. Uh, And as I learned from my different mentors, it was almost like, you know, being in this buffet, I would learn a little bit of this from that person. I take a little bit of that from someone else. And then I kind of fused it into my own style of operating, which became my own unique form of surgical expression, which is, if you think about it, almost exactly what artists do. <laughs> they, yeah. they, 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 you know, there's there's you know, you heard the you've heard the term steal like an artist. Well you steal like a surgeon, you take a little bit of, of all of the things and the, you know, the elements that that you believe will 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 help you kind of come into your own practice. Uh, and I think artists do that all the time. I mean if you you know read the bios of of the famous artists or even the not so famous artists, they'll tell you uh you know and they'll confess, yeah, I was inspired by this artist i I learned from that person, I stole you know a little bit of the technique from this person and i and I made it my own i mean I think that's 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 really what art is about as well mm. and so surgery for me was was you know almost kind of it's just an expression of art in a different way um and it's been something that continues to evolve. You know, our practice continually evolves. We're always learning new techniques. We're always learning new ways of doing things. Um, and I think, you know, the really good artists, you know, if you look at their careers, that's what happens to them as well. Whether they're music, whether they're in visual arts, they're photographers. They're evolving. They're evolving with, you know, their maturity, with their experiences in life. And they're also evolving with the environment around them. Uh, and I think that's that's what we do in healthcare as well, uh, particularly mm. in surgery.
0: That's so interesting. What you're what you're saying about this fusion of artistic creative expression, um, expressing itself through the practice of medicine itself, and there there it's becoming more and more prevalent in uh, medical schools to have at least some sort of humanities part of the core curriculum with um, art going to museums to practice um, observational skills and um, learning tools to uh, minimize burnout for um, med students and on into their um, world of healthcare. But do you have a general sense of kind of um, the attitude towards the arts as a, as a healing modality, uh, within the healthcare world, where do you, where do you feel like we are here in the United States? Cause it's much more prevalent in, in some other countries, but, um, what's kind of your sense right now?
2: Oh, I think we're absolutely evolving. I think all of the things that you said were so spot on. I think we have uh, come to appreciate, um, especially those that have been practicing for a long time and, and certainly in the curriculums of, you know, the modern medical schools uh, across the country are starting to realize that um, we, we need um, individuals that are going into healthcare to be humanists. You know, Mm. we want want them to be experts in the humanities because you are taking care of a human being (laughs) Mm. and you want to know the complexities of that human. You want to understand their conflicts and, and the things that move their spirit, the things that depress them, the things that impact their lives. And what better way to do that than to appreciate arts? You know, there was a time where. Uh, certainly when I was sort of entering this sort of field and people would say, well, what, what do you need to do to be successful to get into medical school? It was very, very concrete almost. It was almost like uh, formulaic. It was you have to do organic chemistry. You have to do physics. You have to do math. You have to do calculus. You have to do English. There was no mention of anything artistic there at all. Or, you know, liberal arts. That was like, no, that's like, don't do that. You know, but as I you know, went through med school and certainly as I started to work on the different admissions committees, I realized that we were looking for a more holistic kind of individual. We weren't looking for someone who was just, you know, steeped in the sciences alone because, you know, those folks, quite frankly, are not as interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I mean, you have to know science, you have to apply science, but that's why medicine has always been an art and a science. And I think it's I think it's true that art comes before the science because the art part is really again that expression of humans. And that mm-hmm. is what really is is what you do. You take care of a human before you apply the science. You use the science to help, but you have to have an understanding of what humans are all about before you can take care of that person. And mm-hmm. I think through the humanities that you really understand humans a little bit better. So now when we look for students, I think now you think. You look at sort of the ideal student, uh, it's one who has a good science foundation because you absolutely need that, but it's also someone who's had some life events, someone who has experienced the humanities, you know maybe through their experiences or maybe they have studied that. They're probably you know a philosophy major who happened to you know also do very well in sciences and and now you're talking to a much more interesting kind of person who now I think has a more global, comprehensive. Perspective that is going to enhance and improve their sort of application of the science of of medicine to their you know future patients. So holistically, now I think if you look at how we're screening for and then ultimately accepting students and and folks that are going to be entering the profession, not only medicine, I think nursing, allied health, and all those things, you're looking at you know a more comprehensive sort of holistic approach to like getting a full human being that has had life experiences that understands different things, but also has a very good core knowledge of medicine. And then through the curriculum itself, as you mentioned, um, that has evolved dramatically. I've seen it in my own, you know, sort of curriculum and time, but I also see it now in modern day, you know, sort of curricula. They have actually artistic <laughs> appreciation classes like I, <laughs> part of like, like, why would you do that? And again, I think it goes back to this, this sound of foundational element of like, why the art's so important? It's because they move human beings, they are an expression of human beings. And I think the more you understand human beings, the better you're going to be at taking care of human beings, especially in medicine. Hmm. So when you're appreciating art, you're appreciating human expression, you're, you're appreciating human communication. But it also just hones you in to, understanding that intangible aspect of what humans are all about. and you see a beautiful piece of art and you have an opportunity to discuss that with someone, you're going to perceive it a little bit differently than someone else is. And I think it's through that exchange that you really start to have growth and you start to have more understanding and a, and a, and a respect for the differences that you're gonna appreciate in and among humans. But I, so I think it's gonna give you sort of these tools and sort of this perspective to just be a much better doctor. <laughs> Mm. overall and i think people have recognized that and that's why to your point you look at what we do in health now for um the curriculum and the training of our physicians and a lot of it uh, has now sort of a correlate to the sciences the hard sciences and now are are, are sort of infusing a lot more of these elements of of um you know the humanities
0: Mm. so good I'll give Rick's return. I can monopolize. (laughs) I'm so excited to to talk about this and I could monopolize the conversation, but I will pass it over to Richard for a question.
1: (laughs) I mean, obviously not everyone think, and not everyone who works in the medical field thinks the way you think. So do you get a lot of, what are you talking about or a lot of resistance and how do you counteract that?
2: I do. And fortunately I also get a lot of encouragement from the Mm. really great doctors that have been my mentors. And foundationally, I have found a common theme in all of them. They do in all of those cases have instinctually this common thread and element of an appreciation of the arts and humanities. And I think that's Mm. what makes them outstanding doctors. So for those unenlightened people that think that they're (laughs) not important, I would suggest to them that it is important. And I know from the proof that I have and understanding and appreciating, and most importantly, learning from the really great clinicians that I've had the privilege of, 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 of encountering and learning from, almost all of them have this universal, common appreciation of arts and the humanities. Now, it comes in different forms. Some of them are musicians. You know, mm-hmm. some of the best cardiac surgeons I know actually play other instruments, and that's their passion, actually. mm mm-hmm. Operating sort of like their side hustle, <laughs> so, <laughs> and and, a and lucrative
0: and side hustle,
2: lucrative side hustle. But you know, that's that's yeah, I can think of a number of, of of you know my mentors that were, I mean, really good, really good musicians. I mean, like they could they could be in a band, they could make out. album. <laughs> um, I also know um, you know great physicians that are really great artists. You know, from from visual art standpoint, I mean, they have studios in their homes. They do sculpting, they do painting, they do. They do drawing. Um, and, you know, it doesn't come out. You know, you, you you find this out in the conversations that you have with them and you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that. And then you can tell once they start talking about that, they, they just this kind of passion sort of exudes from them. And it's like, wow. And I, I put two and two together. See, now most people may not make that connection. I think that's why art appreciation is good, because it gives you perspective. So you're a little bit more in tune and in touch with humans, because all right, t- we're talking about surgery and we're doing this case. It's important. There's a life at stake. But at the same time, when they start talking about them playing their instrument or, or painting or or sculpting, you could see their life, you know, just kind of, you know, the the, the the excitement comes up. The the, the the You can see the light in their eyes, you know, and you're saying to yourself, wow, that's what makes this person so great, you know, mm-hmm. it's because they have this have this passion for art they have this expression that they're working on that that they're doing so they're bringing art to their work it's not a distraction it's it's actually helping them to do their work better Mm. and 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 so so i would say richard that if i do encounter those people when i encounter those people because they're out there i just simply you know i don't try and force my beliefs on them i just simply say "Hmm, they have yet to be enlightened
0: (laughs) I, such a fascinating line of, of conversation. I was at a healthcare conference earlier this summer and went to several workshops with, you know, different leaders in in the field, in various healthcare fields. Um, And one of the big topics of discussion, and I think I mentioned this on a previous, one of our previous podcasts, but one of the, one of the main topics of discussion um, was the issue of patient compliance. Mm. That they had all this great medical technology, but they could, and they like knew the right answers, whatever. Um, but they, the patients, just wouldn't do what they said. And I, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that the arts move us, and I had a patient once that um, would love when I would come and play music for him, and he described it one time that. Uh, music is the internal combustion engine of motivation wow. that on days that he got music, he, he felt more motivated to get out of his room and walk the halls like he was supposed to every day, That um, he was more energized. And so there's this, this element that it seems like is a huge piece of healthcare. And that's that human connection that like what you're saying about doctors who value the humanities, the humanness, um, it seems like they're probably more likely to connect with a patient on a person level rather just like patient doctor. And do you see that maybe building more trust and maybe more motivation in in patients that you work with um, or those types of doctors work with?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was laughing because you said music is this internal combustion engine. So I love to run. Um, you know, and I, I, I know I like to. Distance run, I I like marathons and things like that. And in training for those, you have to run a lot of miles. And uh, sometimes I like to just go out and just run and kind of listen to the music of nature. But I do know, sort of to your internal combustion engine (laughs) analogy, that when I'm listening to music, especially different kinds of genres, I am like, I am like, you know, the locomotion, like it's just... (laughs) And I, I'll, like, look back at my times. I'm like, wow, how did I do that? You know, and I think to myself, wow, the music kind of gave me this superhuman power to, like, you know, just, just be so much more, you know, powerful as a runner. Um, but your point of this ability to connect with people, I think, again, it comes from this understanding of humans. And I think that, you know, those folks that are in tune or in touch with the arts and the humanities, whether they're poets themselves or they appreciate it, whether they are visual artists or they appreciate it or they're musicians or they and they appreciate it or all the above um I think what happens is you understand human beings that much better again because it is always almost always all forms of art are this expression of humans it's a communication it's a way we communicate you listen to the pain of a, a of a of a songstress, you know, or you listen to the melody of, of of a symphony, you know, that music was coming from a human being that was expressing themselves in such a way that it's indescribable. I mean, people will write about it and you'll have critics that say this was great or that was great or that was terrible. But <laughs> the whole point is it's an expression of humans. And I think understanding it and appreciating it gives you a better context and a place and a skill and an ability to connect with other humans. So I absolutely believe that, again, like I told you, my clinicians, those that I regard as master clinicians, my mentors, the folks, the guys and the gals that were just outstanding at what they do, whether it was surgery, whether it was internal medicine, whether it was critical care, emergency medicine, almost always I found that in addition to health care, in addition to their practice, in addition to being a professional physician or doctor or nurse, they also had this other element, this other side of them that was a humanistic side of them, that they mm. appreciated art. Um, and, it, and in all its forms and in all of its modalities. And oftentimes, quite frankly, as, as I learned more about them, I found out that they themselves were artists as well in some way. Um, and they are the ones that I, I look to as my models of, of the kind of physician and healthcare provider I want to be.
1: Mm. So good. I want to, we're almost out of time and I feel like we have four more hours of questions (laughs) for you. (laughs) We we need to book your upcoming episodes because I feel like we could talk. A whole series. Yes. But speaking of series, I want to talk about your book series. So if you could talk, tell everybody uh, about them and kind of who you wrote them for.
2: Oh, thank you for that. That's a great question. So who did I write them for? So first, the book series is called The Art of Human Care, The Art of Human Care. And I decided to make it a book series for a number of reasons. But where did I, where did that come from and how did that title uh, emerge is really uh, quite a story. I know we don't have too much time to tell it all in, in the entirety. And, and so I'd encourage your audience to go out and read the books because they have some more of the story background. <laughs> but very quickly... I was invited to be a white coat ceremony speaker at my medical school alma mater uh, a few years ago. And I actually was re-invited just recently to do it again. Uh, and the white coat ceremonies are very, you know, you know, honorific kind of uh, event for medical students. It's when new, new medical students are coming into the profession to get their white coat, their short white coat. And it's a way of bringing them into the fold, you know, into the, into the field of medicine. And I was giving this keynote. And, you know, typically the keynote is supposed to be inspiring. It's supposed to be uplifting. It's supposed to give them this sort of sense of purpose of why they're entering this profession and what the profession is all about. Um, And what I conveyed to them was the fact that it is a science, what they're going to do, being a doctor, but it's also an art. And the art comes from learning about patients. And I had a mnemonic and learned that they have to listen to their patients. They have to empathize. They have to You know, kind of affinitize what they're doing, have to repeat their message, and they have to know what the patient's now is. So, all of those things sort of this framework was what I was conveying to them. But I also told them that art at its very core and foundation was a means of expression. And that is part of what they're going to be doing. They're going to be connecting with other humans. And a lot of times, what makes humans feel better isn't necessarily the science or the medicine that we're giving. But it's how you, as a healthcare provider, makes that other person feel when they're coming to you with their problems.
0: Mm.
2: Yes. You don't have to cure in order to heal.
0: Mm. Say that again. Just like, just say.
2: <laughs> you don't have to cure in order to heal. Mm. A lot of times our patients are coming to us because they have a behavioral health issue or they're depressed or they're seeking attention. And what they want is someone to listen to them, to learn about what their problems are, and to just empathize and sometimes just be a, a shoulder to sort of just cry on or an ear to listen to. Mm-hmm. And in and, and doing that, and in that person sort of expressing themselves and knowing fully and appreciating that this other person is really empathizing, is listening and very concerned and they care, you can feel better. How many of us have gone and talked to a great friend with a big problem, and their friend didn't even say anything, but they listened. But you knew they were listening to you. You know, you could tell by their eye contact. You can tell by their language and their body, their body language. They really care about what I have to say here, and and you you leave that conversation feeling so much better, like a huge you know weight has been lifted off of you. And and so that's what I was trying to convey, and I, and I had to try and do that in like a twenty minute speech. So really hard. <laughs> but but, but it, in doing that and, and understanding that I didn't have a lot of time, but I had to convey a really important message, that became really the body of the art of human care. That speech is what I built upon to create this series.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: the idea is to have a series of books under the genre of the art of human care. And of course, because it's the art of human care, I also have art in the book. And there's beautiful art in the book. Some of it done by me. Some of it done in my first book with my daughter. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: so that's pretty. Fine.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so there's the Art of Human Care, the original book, and then there's the Art of Human Care for COVID, and then there's the, that's the one for COVID, and then there's the Art of Human Care with AI. Yeah. So yeah, it's beautiful art. And and so I also wrote the books intentionally pretty brief. You can read them in, in about one or two sittings, tops. Um, but I also recognize, you know, I can't help but be on this podcast and not say a picture is worth a thousand words. So there are lots of pictures in those books. And so if you think about, you know, the novel or the books that you have in the Art of Human Care series, there are thousands of pages because there are lots of pictures in there. Each one of those is worth a thousand words.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Oh, there's like so much I want to dive into. Um, uh, if very briefly, I if you could just uh, you were talking about how important connection is with um, between healthcare workers and their patients, and I feel like a lot of people go into medicine with that goal in mind, yeah. and then the system doesn't support that type of. Work like because it takes time,
2: people think it takes too long. Yeah, well, I have a way of addressing that too. And I talk to medical students, and certainly in my own practice, too, I realized that you know, listening to patients doesn't really take a lot of time. One of the things I talked about in conveying you know, this message to the white coat ceremony sort of audience, and the, the way I write. It's written for, you know, certainly those in healthcare, but I think the themes are universal again, because there's art in it. So anybody could appreciate, you know, the books ideally. Um, But yeah, for that, that healthcare worker, that healthcare sort of audience that is under time constraint, is pressured, is sort of in this sort of machine of like, get the patient in, get the patient out. What I try to do is just kind of give some perspective. You know, in healthcare, they've done studies on this, that it takes the average patient when they're engaged with the healthcare provider, whether it's a nurse or a doctor, um, not very long to be interrupted mm. while they're trying to tell the person what's wrong with them. And we've all experienced it. I've experienced it because I go and I take my, my kids to go to the doctor and I go myself. And sometimes they don't know I'm a doctor. Sometimes <laughs> I don't tell them. I just like, <laughs> let me see what kind of care I'm going to get, you know? And and you know, I'll start talking and within like seconds I'm interrupted and then they, they try and derail me from what I'm trying to, you know, sort of convey is the problem, the issue. And so what I try and do is just say, you know, to your point, just listen to a patient. You know, you you don't have to interrupt them. And you know what? In, a, in, in almost typically in less than two minutes or so, two minutes, that's not a long time. They'll tell you everything that they, you need to know so that you can understand how to best take care of them. But oftentimes what we do is we interrupt the patient and and before they can really express what's really the problem, um, you know, we've interrupted them. And now the the, the entire counter has been sidetracked. And so, you know, as a practical way of sort of conveying why this is important to listen and to just give the time and the space, I, I tell the medical students that if you are listening to your patient and you just give them the time and space to listen to them, you'll understand and appreciate a lot more about what it is that you need to do to help them. And what will happen is that'll become a much more inf- efficient visit or an efficient encounter. So now you may not have to refer them to somebody else. You might say, oh, I can fix that or I can address that. Let me tell you what you need to do. And now that person is like resolved. The problem is resolved and they probably won't have to go make another appointment or go see someone else or go see someone else and have to rehash and relive their whole story again because mm. they'll get interrupted there and then get referred to somebody else. So I think it. what happens is there's this um counterintuitive way of thinking about you know how you approach the patient and say, you know what, I am going to give the patient all the time in the world, even though I know I don't have that time. But in giving just them the time and the space to at least get their story out and their message out, which won't take very long, you'll actually make it a lot more efficient, you know, in terms of their visit and and their need to sort of have to come back for something that was never or even initially addressed the first in the first place.
1: Hmm.
0: Such a good and I love that. And so it's such a good practical, um, applicable uh, way to move forward in
1: that. I love it. I have one final question. What's the last
2: creative thing you did? Ah, the last creative thing I did. <laughs> it's poetry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually last, like literally like last night, I'm working on, I'm actually working on a story I have to give uh, I've been invited by a colleague of mine to give a um, a story to tell a story in in a in a work he's doing it's called uh it's called tellers and so it's going to be in October later in October um in uh, in New York City and uh, he's recording it and he's asking storytellers and I'm, I'm one of the storytellers to to tell a story and part of my story is going to be a telling a poet, t- telling, telling some poetry or reciting some poetry. so I was working on poetry and then just kind of working through that because I want to have it, you know, memorized. I could deliver it and, you know, have it, have it good. So yeah, I was thinking about that and I was, I was writing it down and I'm just kind of like, you know putting on the final touches. So I'm pretty excited. So I'm going to tell a story that I'm going to go into a little bit of reciting. Mm. And, and I'm, 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 I'm also working on this too. I'm telling you too much. So hopefully <laughs> it, won't, it won't be a spoiler. But I'm also I'm also I'm thinking about having a part of I only have I think I have 12 minutes. I'm also thinking about you know in my story and and through and and telling my my poetry that I might have a moment where I could have uh, a colleague of mine you know do a little song like a very like brief a cappella and at, at the at the, sort of the critical moment of like the the sort of the height of the conflict of the story to help us bring some resolution to it. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about all that. So that's my. That's my last creative act. I was just doing it last night.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool.
2: So I a, That's a little crazy. bit of work ahead of
1: me. <laughs> Stanzi, do you have any final questions? No, no. Just cut me off. <laughs> okay. Well, promise us at least that you'll come back at some point oh, and talk absolutely.
2: more. Absolutely. I love this. This was awesome. This okay, is one yeah. of my favorite topics. So awesome. Oh, can help. Yeah, definitely you, awesome
1: topic. you can go to heartsmeetart.orgslash podcast for all the notes today, including how uh, you can connect and how you can uh, win a signed copy of, one of your books. All right. So
2: thank all right. You for
1: that. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening, and we will uh, see you next week, everyone.
0: is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseat Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice,